May God add his blessing to the reading of our scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth not only be acceptable, but be what we need to hear this morning. Jack just read in Psalm 90, verse 12, that we are to number our days. Well, if I do that, I'm almost 61. I'm still hanging on. I still got five days to go. Today, if, I, if my calculations are correct, I am exactly 22,259 days old. I've been on this planet for over 22,000 days. That sounds like a lot, but those 22,000 days have passed very, very quickly. Today, I want to focus not on counting our days, but rather on making our days count. And the way we make our days count, I believe, is to find our purpose in life, find our purpose for that day, for that week, and then give ourselves to the best of our ability to fulfill that purpose. Know your purpose, and you can make your life count. There's a great little book that was written on this very subject. I guess it's not really a little book. And we did a study on it several years back with Pastor Kay. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's by uh, Rick Warren. And it's a very helpful book along the, th this subject. If you'd like to read the book, we still have a few copies of it available. Uh, if you'd like to borrow it or if you'd like to keep it, let me know. We can provide you with a copy of it. But it's a good uh, book that uh, gives us some good, line, good, good guidelines on this subject. Psychologist Martin Seligman once said, human beings want to have meaning. They do not want to wake up in the morning with a gnawing realization that they are fidgeting until they die. End quote. Our purpose is the thing that keeps us from doing that fidgeting our of our lives away. Maybe our purpose might be pleasure. Our purpose might be self-gratification. Or it might be power. It might be keeping up with the neighbors. It might be raising a great family. It might be making our parents proud. It might be retiring early. It might be doing good works in our community and for others around the world. We can have many purposes in life, but whatever that purpose is, whether we consciously choose it or we just sort of drift along, it is a standard that we think about when we measure the success or the failure of each of our days. Jesus only lived 12,045 days on this earth. Yet historians and theologians agree that he was the most influential man who ever lived. From age 12, Jesus knew his purpose in life, and that was to do the will of his Father who had sent him. Even when God's will was painful, even when his friends didn't support him, even betrayed him, he still lived only to fulfill God's purpose for his life. In verse 30, it says that Jesus left that place and passed through Galilee. He didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching them. 
the, the disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, and he told them they were, they were, that he was going to be killed, and after three days he would rise again, but as we read, they didn't understand, and they were afraid to ask him about it. The reason that Jesus understood his purpose so clearly is because he was not a, entirely a human being. He was thinking also with the mind of God. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus many times going away and spending time in prayer. And through prayer, he filled his mind with the thoughts of God. He filled his heart with the will of God. He filled his mouth with the words of God. And I think he also pointed his body and his feet in the direction of the will of God. But it's obvious in this passage that Jesus' friends, the disciples, did not understand what he was talking about. And even worse, they didn't want to understand. Those words they heard, they did not want to believe. They were afraid to know the truth. And I think sometimes we are afraid to know the truth. We are afraid to surrender our lives to God. Maybe we don't pray because we're afraid of what will happen if we give God our lives. Never pray for patience. Never do that. We don't ask God to reveal God's will to us because we maybe don't really want to know. We want a comfortable life. We want things the way we want them. And if we see our lives through God's eyes, we just might have to change some of our life, some of our purpose. That's the challenge that Jesus faced in this story. He has already used up 12,037 of his 12,045 days. He only has a little over a week left. If he's ever going to teach his disciples about the purpose of their lives, he's got to get it done soon. How would they be living if their plans and their purposes lined up with God's will? The answer was surprising then, and it's still a challenge for us today. Verse 33 reads, When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because they had argued about who was the greatest. Just try to imagine what Jesus was thinking. He knew what they were arguing about. And he knew that God had a life-changing mission in store for those disciples. But they weren't thinking with the mind of God. So their goals, like ours oftentimes... We're a little bit off. Washington Irving wrote this. He said, Great minds have purposes. Little minds have wishes. These men had a wish. They wanted to be greater. They wanted to stand in the spotlight with Jesus. And they wanted some attention. Jesus wanted them to look beyond their selfish wishes to God's plan for them. So he sat down. Now Jesus didn't sit down because he was tired. Jesus sat down because that's what rabbis did in those days. They sat down to teach. This was a teachable moment. And it says, sitting down, he called the twelve, and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Here it is. Here is the central purpose of our lives. The central purpose of the Christian's life, to serve. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor or if you're a CEO, 
Your purpose as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, is to serve. Many very successful people understand this concept. There was one man who had a huge impact on this company, on his company, because he understood this idea. The founder of Wendy's Fast Food Restaurants, Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas was a remarkable success story. He was adopted as a child. He never finished high school. In his book called Well Done, The Common Guy's Guide to Everyday Success, Dave said that he got his MBA long before he got his GED. He said he had a photo of himself in his MBA graduation outfit, which was a schnazzy red work apron. He claimed to be the only founder among all the big companies in America who, whose picture in the annual corporate report, annual report, showed him with a mop and a mop bucket. That wasn't a joke. He called it leading by example. At Wendy's, he said, MBA didn't stand for what you think, not master of business administration, but for mop bucket attitude. It means a commitment to service. Dave Thomas, who died in 2002, had a great commitment to service. That's what Jesus wants from us a mop bucket attitude. We exist to serve, not to be served. That's the secret to happiness in any job. To see your job as a calling, as a place where God has placed you, a vocation, an opportunity. Some people are very unhappy at their jobs because they want to be served rather than to serve. When will we get it? Two guys named James Citroen and Richard Smith have studied the patterns of great leaders. And in their research, they learned some interesting things. They learned that the best leaders are the ones who promote other people's success. Only 4% of the top leaders that they studied were judged to be self-centered in their career goals. 4%. At least 90% of the top leaders that they studied made it a priority to help their subordinates, to help them succeed at their jobs, to help them to move up the ladder in the organization. That to them was the key to success. It was also the key to happiness, as strange as it may sound. If anyone wants to be first, Jesus said, he must be very last and the servant of all. Then there's the idea that a commitment to service, to serving people, is the key to serving God. Jesus, it says in the scripture that Jack read for us, took a little child and had him stand. Taking him in his arms, Jesus said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. A little child. I am so glad that there are people in this church who understand and believe that serving children is a part of their life purpose and it's part of the church's purpose. I was reading about Olympic track star whose name was Kip Kino. Kip could have been a national celebrity. He won all kinds of medals in the Olympics, but instead he used his status and he used his money 
to start an orphanage in two schools in his country, Kenya. He and his wife dedicated their life to children. He says, I came into this world with nothing. I will leave with nothing. While I am here, I shall be mindful of those people who need help, especially those children. A little child. A group of scholars once visited Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and she said to them, you try doing what I am doing, and you will be able to enjoy what I am doing. So then she took them to one of her child care centers, and she picked up a child who was playing in the mud, and she hugged the child and gave, gave it a kiss. Don't know if it was a boy or girl, doesn't say. And she waited for her guests to do the same. None of them did. They didn't get it. A little child. Jesus chose a child as a way of saying to the disciples that they were to serve others who were helpless, who could not help themselves, regardless of their age. This is how we best serve God, by serving other people. There's a beautiful fable that sums this up. Once upon a time, there was a knight. This knight wanted to serve his king and be the most honorable and noble knight who ever lived. And at his knighting, he was so overcome by dedication that he made an oath to his king. He vowed to bow his knees and lift his arms in homage to his king and him alone. This knight was given a job of guarding a city of the kingdom. And every day he stood at attention by the gate of the city in full armor. And years passed. One day, as he was standing at attention, guarding his post, a peasant woman passed by with goods from the market, for the market. Her cart turned over on her, spilling the vegetables everywhere. The woman hurried to get them all back in her cart, but the knight wouldn't help the poor woman. He just stood there at attention. He didn't want to break his vow by bending his knees to help pick up the woman's vegetables. So time passed. And another day, a crippled man was passing by, and he fell. And he looked up at the knight and said, Good night, sir. Could you reach down and help me up? But the knight would not. He would not stoop down to lift a hand to help because of his vow. Decades went by. The knight was getting old. One day, his grandson came by and said, Grandpa, pick me up and take me to the fair. But he would not stoop. He would not break his vow to the king. Finally, after years, the king came to visit. And he came to inspect the knight. And as the king approached, the knight just stood there at attention. The king inspected him as he stood there. But then he noticed that the knight was crying. He said, you are one of my noblest knights. Maybe the noblest knight I've ever seen. Why do you cry? Your majesty, he said, I took a vow. I would bow and lift my arms in homage to you, but I am unable to keep my vow. These years have done their work, and the joints of my armor are rusted. I cannot lift my arms. I cannot bend my knees. With the loving voice of a parent, the king said, perhaps if you had knelt to help, those who passed by and had lifted your arms to embrace all those who came to you, 
you would have been able to keep your vow to pay me homage today. This is it. This is where you make, this is how you make your life count. Find a place where you can serve. It might be at your job. It might be in your church. It might be in your neighborhood. But you will never be happy or truly successful until you see that we are here to serve others, not to be served. To serve others, especially the least and the lowest, is the best way to serve God. That's how we make every day count. Amen. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast today. This is Pastor Alex Garncars of Zion United Church of Christ in Peru. I hope that you enjoyed today's message. God bless. Have a wonderful day.